<clears throat> this morning, Annette uh, got up and uh, she came in where I was and she said, you think I can get away with wearing capri pants today? <laughs> and, uh, and I thought about that and I, I thought about one, well sure, uh, <clears throat> and the other thing is I thought about how many times I've heard her say that, uh, not the capri, how, do you think I can get away with uh, on the way to church, you think I can? You think I can wear this? You think you think I can wear this? And it makes it sound like from the beginning, even in the preacher's house, there is a bit of a challenge as to what's going to happen to you when you walk through the door. Uh, that that if somebody says uh, that Miss Annette is lacking four inches of, um, of 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 red material in order to be godly. Uh, as you understand, um, but but it's 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 always a challenge. It's always a challenge. Uh, I, when I started preaching uh, and was working with the church in Las Vegas, they had a no pants suit policy that only applied to the women, as you might imagine. Uh, it took years to to break that one down. Uh, you could wear a skirt up to anywhere, but you couldn't wear pants. Some of us, especially in Las Vegas, uh, couldn't understand uh, which way the wind was blowing on that one. Um, And so uh, from time to time, uh, as we, as I've been in church, uh, you get judged. I got judged this week. I want to show you my t-shirt. I was, I decided to wear this on Wednesday. We have our All God's Children meal, which is uh, for uh, homeless folks. And, 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 so I, and, and I was kind of full of the College World Series spirit anyway. So I wore my College World Series shirt from 2016, which is as hot a time as you can have watching baseball in Omaha, Nebraska. But I wore this. And so um, when it's time for the... For the door to open, uh, I go down and open the door, and there is a guy uh, about twice my size and and also wearing a t-shirt who looks at me and goes, so what's this, casual Wednesday? (laughs) And and I almost just just pitched over in the floor uh, because it was just so, that was just so good. So what's this? Casual Wednesday? Um, you know, the, our challenge uh, here is to, um, every morning when we're coming to church, wear something. I, I think wearing something's really good. Uh, a friend of mine, a uh, guy I know, the preacher at Highland, Jonathan Stormont, on his last Sunday, he's moving to Arkansas, but on his last Sunday in the foyer of the Highland Church of Christ, this is just a month or so ago, uh, a lady was there and, 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 and she began to take off her clothes. And she eventually took off all of them in the foyer. Now, she wasn't a member of that church. But at that point, he said, one of the one of the ladies in church walked up to her and said, "Honey, why don't we go over here and talk about this?" Now I can imagine there would have been some other things that people could have said. Grab the children. 
But, but, but the response was, Honey, why don't we come over here and talk about this? So, um, so one of our, our challenges is to wear something. And the other challenge is be glad when you see everybody, no matter what they're wearing. No matter what. No matter what. Um, now, there have been rules about what you wear. There have been rules. Um, but we don't have, you can have whatever rules you want for yourself. It's great. But you don't have any rules for anybody else. I don't have any rules for anybody else by what they wear when they come into this building. I don't have any rules. And you may have some, but they're yours. They don't belong to God. Don't blame God for your rules. Okay? And so every time somebody comes in and they look a little bit different than we do, be glad. All right? That wasn't too bad. But I, I think that's right. So, um, when Ben preaches in a tie with his shirt tail out, he gets no grief. Well, unless the tie doesn't look good. Okay. Um, Father's Day and talking about Moses, I, I, I thought about trying to make this sound like it's a lot about Father's Day and, and everything, but I really want to talk about Moses. And, and, and if you want to hear God as the father of his people coming to rescue his people in Egypt and, and think about God as father and how his love for his people is being worked out through Moses so that this becomes a really uh, good uh, Father's Day uh, sermon, that's... That's okay, but I want to talk about Moses because I want to talk about our church. I want to talk about our church. And I have, I have gone to almost an infinitesimal amount of energy um, for the slides on this. And so I want you to see, um, this is um, going to be about Moses and uh, and so we know Moses. Moses is living about 400 years after Joseph. Moses was the little guy who when he was born in Egypt, they were throwing all the baby boys in the river. And his mother put him in a basket and Pharaoh's daughter found him. And he was raised in the palace. When he was a little boy, the, the, the pyramids were already almost a thousand years old. The Israelites didn't help build the, those, those pyramids. They were there when, they, when Moses was growing up. And when he grew up, he was one who was um, given all of the privileges of being in Pharaoh's court. And at that time, uh, Egypt was about as advanced a, a civilization as there could be. But if you remember the story, maybe you don't know the story, but, but at one point, uh, while his mother is his uh, nurse, his mother is telling him the stories of the Israelite people. 
So he knows he's an Israelite. He knows he is a part of God's family through Abraham. And at one point, there is a dispute between an Egyptian and an Israelite, and Moses interferes. He interferes a lot. He kills the Egyptian, and he hides him. And then later, when there's a dispute that he observes and he tries to intervene, someone says, so you're going to kill me like you killed the other guy? At that point, Moses knows that he is found out. That his murder, his, not really murder, but his killing of someone who was oppressing another is known. And so he runs. And this is an actual picture of the Sinai Desert. You may not know that, but it's, uh, it's high production quality. And in the Sinai Desert, he runs into uh, Jethro and the daughters. And he cares about the daughters and, and, and guards them. And he is taken to Jethro's house. And he is a man who is 40 years old and has been kicked out of his country and now he's in the desert and for 40 years he walks this desert for 40 years until finally as our, our reading says uh, he comes to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai and he sees the burning bush and he goes closer and he hears that he should take off his shoes because he's on holy ground. There was a dress code for holy ground. And there God talks to him. And the burning bush is the call of God. Now, when Moses hears the call of God... He does not immediately say, yes, sir, I can't wait to do what you want me to. But, but he has no question that the call of God is, is actually God's call. It's not that he doesn't understand the one he's talking to. It's that when he hears the call of God, he has some questions. He has some caution. He has some, he has some desire to save a little bit of himself back. And so listen, listen to the things that he asks in his caution. He says, verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you. That'll be the sign that you should do it. I'll be with you. And, and then the second thing he says in verse 13, suppose I go and they say, what is his name? What is the name of your God? There's lots of gods in Egypt. What should I say when they ask for a, the footnote to my call? And as we heard a while ago, God says, you tell them that I am has sent you. 
You tell them that. And then, at the beginning of verse 4, he says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord didn't appear to you? And then he tells him to throw his staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. And then the, the fourth thing he says is, Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. And God says, I made your mouth. I made your tongue. I I know. I know. Now go and I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And then in verse 13 of chapter 4, he gets down to it. And he says, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. So, who am I? What's your name? What if they say, you didn't really send me? I'm not a very good speaker. Or I'm, I'm, I'm not, 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 not a very good speaker. And Lord, I just don't want to go. Now, what if, what if we're supposed to read that? What if somehow in the, in the history of people who are being called by God, it's okay for them to raise some questions? Maybe it's okay not to be exactly like Peter and Andrew and James and John, who when Jesus comes by and says, follow me, they just get up and follow him. I mean, that's a, that's a great story, and I'm sure they did, and I admire them for it. But what if you hear the call of God, and you want to ask some questions, and you want to raise some issues? There, there might be somebody who would say, um, well, if you're looking at a burning bush, and you start asking God why you should go, there, there could be a, a fire just lick out of that bush and, and burn you up just for asking insolent questions. But I want to step inside this story for a minute as, as University Avenue Church of Christ. I want to come over and step inside this story and, and hear something that says that God is saying to the University Avenue Church, I want you to be a church on the corner that is a church for me now. I want you to be a, a church that testifies to the, the, the presence and the power of Jesus Christ in the world. And I want you to be a church that, that testifies to the power and the presence of Jesus, to the, to the community that you're in, to the people who are around you. I want you to be not just a church who was here. I want you to be a church who is here. I want you to be a church who is here. I want you to act like you just trekked across from Tennessee and you just showed up and you got this place and you're here to do and be the will of God and the people of God. I want you to do that. And you you hear that and, and you go, oh, 
Lord, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Who, who are we that we should do this? Who are we that we should do this? We know that Hill Country Bible Church is bringing 400 kids into our room this week to, to do evangelistic work in this area and that we're a really nice church to let them do that. And, and they're going to they're gonna do some amazing things and, and we're giving them some space and it kind of sounds like maybe they should be the people to do this. Are we the ones We're supposed to be in this space, called to this space, living in this space. Are we the ones? Is it? Is it we? And what I want you to hear reverberating in the background is yes. Yes. And if we stay here... Who are we supposed to tell people? Who are we supposed to tell people sent us? Are, are we just here because we've we've been here and because we've got the property, we own it, we're just here, we kind of own the land, and we're here? Who are we supposed to say sent us? I am who I am has sent you. Holy God. This is not an accident. This is not an oops. This isn't God forgot. This is that God looked into our hearts and he said it is right and good for you to be in this place. What if people say that you are not with us? What if people say it doesn't look like God's with you anymore? I don't don't have a staff. I mean, I don't. I I don't have anything that I can throw down to be a snake. But I can tell you some stories. I can tell you some stories of prayers prayed and answered. I can tell you some stories of, of, of great acts of love and courageous caring. I can tell you some stories of how God has been working in this church to provide people and talent and places for us to be. I can tell you some stories, and the stories that we can tell one another are the stories of God with us. And we need to tell the stories of God with us. They are our snake on the ground. They are our evidence that God is with us. We have proof that God is with us. What if we say, we're not very eloquent. And, and, And what if we mean by that is, we used to know how to talk to folks, but we're not sure we know how to talk to people now. What's the vocabulary of 2018? What's the vocabulary of 2018 at the corner of of UT and Millennial? What's that vocabulary? Do we know the words? Do we know not just the words, but we, do we know the, the customs, the traits, the, the tribal rules? Can we, can we learn that? Can we take the gospel to another world, even if the, the other world is where we are? 
What if we just were sitting still and the world around us changed and the language changed and the, the values changed and into that we are called to speak? The voice out of the burning bush says, I made your mouth. I know who you are. I will help you speak the language to the people I'm sending you to talk to. And then the the fifth thing that you heard him say is, I don't want to (laughs) go. I I think we're finally down to it. Okay? I think we're finally down to it. I don't think the others were about it nearly as much as we finally get down to it. I don't want to go. Lord, I got a great gig here in the desert. I got a father-in-law. I got a wife. Got some sons. I got a desert that I know. I can tell when it's going to rain by the way the clouds look at sunset. I can tell the seasons. I know when the few things that bloom here bloom. I I know the desert. This is, I am comfortable here. I am a wanted man in Egypt. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And the fact is that, that if Moses goes, he's had his last comfortable day. I mean, when you, when you read the story of Moses after this call, it is a rough and tumble life. Because he's 80 years old now at this call. And the next 40 years of his life are going to be dealing with these people that God is loving enough to love. I don't want to go. I think there are reasons that we have, that I have, that you have, there are reasons not to want to be an evangelistic church in 2018. I think there are good reasons to want to be a church of ourselves and for ourselves in 2018. We know our language. We know our culture. We know our ritual. We know each other, even though we kind of dwindle now and then. And and so there there is a good reason to put up the walls and hunker down and be content for as long as we can. To put ourselves sort of in comfort care going forward. And that is a decision that we can make. Would it have been something if Moses had turned and walked back home and didn't 
take leave from his father-in-law, but just stayed there. When presented with the opportunity to do the, one of the greatest works any one man did in all of history, if he had just turned and gone back to his comfort. Or if Peter had, had just gone back to Galilee, when given the opportunity to do one of the greatest things that any one person has ever done, we can tell ourselves we don't want to do this. It's okay to say that out loud. I don't want to go through the dis comfort and the dislocation it takes to be the beacon of life in the world to these people in this place at this time. It's okay to say that. As long as we go. As long as we go. As long as we suck it up. As we, in biblical fashion, gird up our loins, however you do that. If we decide that the internal and emotional discomfort of being with God at the cutting edge of his will is better than being at peace outside the will of God. That you'd rather be with Jesus in the storm than without him on the beach. That's, 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 that's where this story takes us. Moses goes. Moses goes. Moses, why should I go? Moses, who are you, Lord? Moses, how do I know you're with me, Lord? Moses, I don't know how to speak, Lord. Moses, I don't want to go, Lord. Goes. And the writer, who may have been Moses, wants us to know that he didn't want to go. But he goes. And he takes the people of God out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And the slaves are free. And the people of God are ready to live with him as their king indeed. Not everything goes well. But Moses was faithful to his call. And that commitment is what we are called to do. So we can be called. We are. We can be cautious. But after that, we must be committed. Our caution ultimately cannot overrule our commitment. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us and we are safer with God on the journey than we are by ourselves. Not on the journey. Do you hear it? We we have no burning bush, but it is the call of God. Do you hear what's bubbling inside of you? The questions, the, 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 the questions, the fear, the wonder, 
That's that caution. It's okay. Do you hear what rises up in front of you? The choice. The choice to follow God and his promises. To help us be a source of life and hope in Austin, in this place. It is what we are called to do. It's what we're a little afraid of doing. It's what we must do. Let's stand.